Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David... And the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. I want to preach for just a few minutes tonight on this subject. This is your moment. This is your moment. Would you once again lift your hands to the Lord and ask him to help us tonight? Father, we need you. God, I need you. Help me tonight. In the name of Jesus. Lord, in the name of Jesus. We give you glory. We give you praise. Operate in the power and the demonstration of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell him this is... Your moment. You may be seated. Some of you didn't say it like you believed it. Amen. I'm not preaching on that. I'll just say that uh, you, you get back what you give. Amen. This is your moment. We find in the closing verses of Samuel, of 1 Samuel, that David has left the house of Saul. He's joined himself to the company of Achish, the king of Gath, a city of the Philistines. And while in the presence and company of Achish, David inquires in 1 Samuel chapter 27 regarding a dwelling place for himself. He says, And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, Let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? Then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. So for one year and four months, David and his families and the 600 men that were with him And their families dwelled in the city of Ziklag. It was theirs. It it belonged to them. It was their dwelling place. They hailed in it in the southern part of the country of Judah. Their tenure with Achish was one that was spent in bloodshed and one that was spent in war. They invaded the Geshurites, the Gezrites, and the Amalekites. The Bible states in 1 Samuel 27 and 9, And David smote the land, and left neither man nor woman alive. 
and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to Achish. David and his band of ruffians were expert marksmen in the bow and in the arrow. They were astute warriors who knew how to go out to battle. They, they had a job. They knew how to do it. They were the best that there was. And if they were assigned to a job, they did it with 100% expert uh, skill that was within them. There was no halfway job with David and his men. They were tough and they were rough. They were man's men. Kind of appropriate for Father's Day, isn't it? They, they were men's men. They, they were perhaps the, the rough-bearded ones that, that knew how to hunt, that knew how to do all of these things that was called upon them to do, and they were able to complete the task at hand more often than not with victory on their side. The time came as recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 29 that the Philistines gathered all of their armies to Aphek, which included those from Gath, which had now given refuge to David. And the prince of the Philistines, for obvious reasons, did not want David walking with them. So now they find themselves that, that they are under siege by the Philistines. No questions asked. David would not be allowed to walk or fight among them. In this time of life, King Saul has already lost his anointing. David has already had an opportunity in a cave to kill him. But because of his integrity and anointing of himself, he did it. God has turned against Saul, and Israel is now mourning the death of Samuel. Israel was in trouble. The battle that was about to ensue would lead up to the death of Saul and the death of his son, Jonathan. As David and his men began to journey back to their dwelling place in Ziklag, they could see smoke billowing up in the air as they approached their houses, their tents, or whatever their homes were. As they got closer and closer, they could see clearly that the entire city, save nothing, had been burned to the ground. Not a person was in sight. When they left, there were wives that belonged to 600 plus men. When they left, there were women and children running around, playing around the tents and playing around the, the campus there. They, they were, whatever, whatever kind of games they did, they were doing it to, because that was their home, that was their life. But now all they see is the trash heap of memories. All they see is ashes burning in the ground. No tents are there, no homes are there, no cattle is there, no animals are there, no wives are there, no children are present. Present, no one is in sight. They didn't even know what happened at this point. If all their families are dead or if they were alive, they had no clue. All they knew was from the looks of things, things were going to be bad for a while before they got any better. The Bible lets us know that the Amalekites had came and destroyed Ziklag. The Bible tells us and gives us a historical insight that they had taken the women captive and the children captive. The Bible even clues us in on the part of the story that they didn't kill anybody. They just carried them away. But David and his men didn't know this. David and his men who were living through this tragedy had no clue what fate lied ahead. So they were clearly open to the imaginations of their thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a dangerous place for us to be left in the imagination of our thoughts. 
it is a dangerous place for us to be found idle with our hands. I, I can remember Granny always telling me and always saying it among the family, but I can recall her telling me individually as uh, one particular night I remember and called to my mind, uh, my, I had came to see my wife in Henderson and, and there was no one that was available to come with her. We were, we were dating and her grandmother came with her to a tent service in Henderson where Bishop Billy McCool was preaching. And I can remember sitting at McDonald's after church and, and she was just kind of talking to us. And, and, and I remember her saying, Son, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Now I can clearly tell you tonight undeniably that as an 18 year old young man I was courteous to her and I was respectful to her but I scratched the back of my brain wondering is that really true or not. I can tell you after 20 plus years of after that statement being made in my life it is absolutely unequivocally true. Idle hands simply are the devil's playground. If you want to mess up don't do anything. If you want to backslide, don't do anything. If you want to walk away from God, just make sure you're not doing anything. But if you want to hold on to your salvation, keep your hand to the plow. We are not living in an hour to stop. We are not living in an hour to pause. We are not living in an hour to take a break. We are living in the most crucial hour of the church and we must keep going forward. Somebody shout hallelujah. Your imaginations will trip you. Your imaginations will tell you somebody's talking about you when they're not. Your imaginations will tell you that you're sinning even when you're not. 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 6 tells us that David was greatly distressed. For the people, somebody shout the people. For the people spake, the people that he's speaking of here are the men. The men that are with him, the 600 expert marksmen spake of stoning him. Not a warm and fuzzy feeling. Not only is he outnumbered, but he knows they're not going to miss. He's watched them in battle. He's watched them with a target in front of them. He knows what it's like when they've got their slingshots and their bows and their quivers out. He knows that whenever they've got a target and they aim, that they hit it. David's been through too many victorious battles with them. He's seen them in action. And now it's 600 to 1. Because, the verse continues, because the soul of all the people is grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. The horrific incidents that I have defined to you in as graphic detail as I know how leading up to this point has affected every one of them. It's affected the 600 men that were with David. It has also affected David. But because David was the leader, but because David was the man that said we need to go over yonder and battle, because David was the spokesman of the group, now, all of a sudden, because things didn't turn out right, now it's David's fault. 
That's convenient. That spirit still persists in this day too. I have seen people be prophesied to. And that particular prophecy never come to pass. Stay with me now. I have seen men of God that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. The bishop, they had to be spot on. And I've seen them prophesy to people and those people walk away unchanged. And I've seen those people get bitter at God. I've seen people grow cold on church pews because what God said to them didn't come to pass. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand something tonight. This is not a one-sided communication. I can remember growing up before I ever understood the true artistry of the stove. I can remember getting close and I can remember getting to the edge. Brother Jeremy Wright feeling the heat. Oh, this is kind of cool. I can remember this was not when you had the flat stove tops. It had the metal ring on top. Fortunately for my sake, it wasn't a gas stove. I would have probably really been in trouble then. Electric stove. Mom cooking Jiffy Pop popcorn on top of the stove. I loved it. I liked to watch the bowl blow up. I just thought it was the coolest thing that there was. And I'm getting close because I'm just playing with it. And I can remember my mother saying, Son, you're going to get burned. Nah, not me. I'm fast. And I can remember tapping around the edges. And she turned her back once. Jiffy Pop's no longer on the stove. And I can remember getting close enough to... I wasn't so fast. My hand didn't move as quick as I thought it ought to. I had a blister. It didn't feel good. Cold water didn't help. She gave me good instruction. She told me what I needed to know. I chose not to listen. I said I'll do it my way. My way ended up in harm's way. Ladies and gentlemen, your soul is no different. If you do not heed the instruction or the prophecy by which you are given, then God is not responsible for the decisions that you make. Every man judged according to his own decision. David is greatly distressed. Now he's twofold distressed. He's distressed because his wives and his children are gone. He's distressed because his, his dwelling place is burned to the ground. Now he's distressed because there's a ratio of 600 to 1 facing against him. And he doesn't know if he's going to live or if he is going to die. The Bible clearly tells us in verse number 6, in the closing words of this verse, But... 
David. Powerful words. None ever spoken greater than this, perhaps. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, if we were to fast forward the tape just a little bit and were to come into the age of 2014, and if some of us, pardon me for sounding just a little bit cynical this evening, but if some of us were this distressed, if some of us were, and I mean no disrespect to anyone who may have faced any of these conditions in your life, but if some of us were to leave here this evening and your home was burned to the ground, if we were to leave here today and you were to approach your house, gentlemen, and your wife and your children were all gone, suddenly gone, and it's not the rapture, and your house is burned all in the same day, all in the same time. And if that occurred on a church night, I've got to believe and imagine today that there would be some people that wouldn't be at church that night. Oh, I lost half of you already. And you would feel, again, I'm not saying I'm right and I'm wrong, but you would feel justified. Bishop, how can you expect me to be at church? My family's gone. I need to be searching for them. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be. That's not the point. Just stay with me. But in this modern day, if that were to occur, I doubt, I really do. Again, I, I may sound cynical tonight, but I doubt very many of us would be at church. Very many of us would have our praise mind on. There wouldn't be very many of us that would have our worship blanket over our shoulders. We wouldn't be ready to sing hymns about, oh, how I love Jesus. We're saving that for the, the back side of the story. But David did not wait for his deliverance to praise God. Now that's what I want to preach for just a little bit tonight. David didn't wait for his victory to give God praise. David didn't wait for his healing to give God praise. The Bible says that while he was distressed and while the people spake of stoning him, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, I think perhaps it's a little difficult for us sometimes to understand what it means encouraged. Because at the surface level, when we think of encouraged, we think of somebody coming up around behind us and patting us on the back and saying, come on now, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's encouragement. Okay? But that, if we're not careful, that's, that we'll stay at the surface level there, and that's all we'll think about. We'll read, and we'll kind of, like I said last week, we'll kind of glaze over, and we'll read it real quickly, and we'll say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Oh, isn't that nice? He was patting himself on the back, and he was saying, come on, David. It's all right. I can't reach my own back, so I'm just going to pat his. It's all right, David. You're going to be all right. You're going to make it through. No, 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 no. The word encouraged in this piece of writ means animated. Now, watch what happens next. In the following verses of verse number 6, right after David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord his God, he goes to the priest and he asks the priest for the ephod. All the chips are down. 
At any moment in time, David didn't think it could get any worse. The Bible says he encouraged himself. He goes to the priest and he says, Priest, bring me an ephod. David may have been a warrior. David may have been an expert marksman with the bow. David may have been a man that once he had a target set in his sights, that target was as good as dead. But David was also an expert worshiper. David was accustomed to the ephod. David knew the feel of a worship garment. David knew what a garment of praise could do in his life. He knew it could do him more good than self-pity. David knew that in his situation, that if he would just simply praise and worship Jehovah God, that something would change in his circumstances. Somebody shout hallelujah. So with an ephod in hand, David begins to encourage himself in the Lord. If you want to know what it's like tonight to encourage yourself, to encourage yourself in the Lord is get you a praise garment on, get to the house of God and get your hands up and get your lips to speaking praise because there is none like our God. David's encouragement was not a pat on the back. David's encouragement were not enticing words of man's speech and wisdom. David's encouragement was praise to God. David found his encouragement in the Lord. David found his encouragement in singing songs to God and praising God in an animated way. In an animated way. I do not believe for a moment that David knelt under a tree somewhere by a riverside and just said, Thank you, Jehovah. Thank you. Not making fun. Everybody praises differently. That could be animated for some people. I don't know. Maybe it is. But to those whom that is not animated, perhaps God requires more of you. Amen. 1 Samuel 30 and verse 8 continues, And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop, the army that has destroyed everything? Now, I don't know how much length of time has occurred in these two verses, or three verses, but somewhere between David's life being threatened, David has... Prayed, praised, and now he's praying again. He must have been a quick talker. Because these 600 men are probably still standing there staring at him. There just might be a message in that. That we shouldn't wait to praise whenever everybody else does. Amen. Anyway, 1 Samuel 30 and 8, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Now, I like David. I like how he thinks. Because he's not only asking God if he should, he's asking God what the outcome's going to be. Now, it'd be a pretty cool thing to go into battle, Brother Terry, knowing you're going to win. That's a good deal. He says, shall I overtake them? 
And he, the Lord, answered him. Look at it now. Pursue. I envision it almost with the voice of trumpets loudly saying, yeah, David, pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, that's pretty good odds. Without fail, recover all. I'm about to have a fit. The word, hold on just a second. The word pursue means to follow in order to overtake. But the Hebrew word run off means to run after. David wasn't creeping up on anybody. David wasn't bashful about what he wanted back. David was running after his wives. David was running for his children. David was running for his families. David and his men, along with their families, had just been victims at the hands of the Amalekites. But now David has said, shall I go? And God says, pursue. He says, shall I overtake them? And God says, without fail, you shall recover all. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking to somebody tonight that's lost some things in the battle. You've lost some ground in the battle. There's some spiritual battles you may have lost. There may be some ground in your spiritual adulthood that you've walked backwards in just a little bit. But God said pursue and recover all. Can you lift your hands to the Lord right now? I believe there's people listening to my voice tonight that if you will just simply pursue that you will recover everything that the enemy has stolen from you. David, David is a victim. David and his men are victims in a horrible tragedy. Rather rather than adopt the victim mentality. Because there is such a thing. I've seen people who've had plenty of opportunity for victory, but because they were so, so mentally focused on being the victim, they could not imagine becoming the victor. David is the victim. If you are a victim, you are a person who is deceived or cheated, either by your own emotions or by the dishonesty of others. You've been cheated out of something. Or you've let go of something because of something else. But David's getting ready to turn his situation around. David's getting ready to change from being a victim to a victor. A victor is a person who has overcome or defeated an adversary. God said, pursue. For thou shalt surely, surely overtake them. And without fail, recover all. How many of you tonight would like to recover everything you've ever lost? 
Now, now if you are if you are advanced in your spirituality, then maybe you don't need this message tonight. But if there's anything that's happened to you since the first day you came to church that has caused you to not be where you need to be today. I'm not talking about gross sin, but sometimes there's certain matters of life to just get in the way. God said, Pursue. Upon hearing the voice of God, David and his band of ruffians once again leave the burning trash heap of Ziklag. This time, to take back from their enemy that which rightfully belonged to them. They came to the brook Besor and found an Egyptian in the field who had been a servant to one of the Amalekites, the people that destroyed Ziklag. Listen, God knows how to put you in the right place at the right time. David made a request to this Egyptian to take them to the Amalekites. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 16 says, And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. That's serious business. That would be like starting right now, maybe an hour from now, and just slaughtering them until tomorrow night. Talk about pursue. And there escaped not a man of them save 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. Everybody shout all. all. David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing. I think the English translator should have put that in all caps. Because he said without fail. Now we see the proof. There was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoiled nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered. Oh. February 1980. I close with this this evening. The U.S. Olympic hockey team slipped its foot into a glass slipper and walked away with a gold medal, Lake Placid, New York. Those collegians had shocked the world by upsetting the powerful Soviet team. And they grabbed the championship from Finland while the crowd chanted, USA! 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 Before his team's victory, over the Soviet Union, which had advanced them to the finals. The coach of the U.S. hockey team told his players, you are born to be a player. You are meant to be here at this time. This is your moment. I feel like telling somebody tonight that you are not here by accident. 
You were born to be here. When you were born, God predestined that on June 15th, 2014, you would be in this house. And that you would have an opportunity to understand that this is your moment. God's got spoil for you. God's got victory for you. Stand with me tonight. God's got everything you need right at your fingertips. But the one thing we must understand tonight that David did and that I cannot do for you, Bishop cannot do for you, your neighbor cannot do for you, your husband or wife cannot do for you, and that is when David inquired of the Lord, be careful what you ask for, when David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue, and God said pursue, David only did one thing, he moved. He moved. There was action. We are serving a God of action. We are serving a God that expects and desires and holds us accountable to act upon what He has declared to us. This altar is open tonight. I want as many as that will. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.